You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Take Cast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter, at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by my old friend, Matt Bernbach. He is uh, a longtime guy in the DFS space. He used to work for Draft Street, then was an employee of DraftKings, and is now going to be transitioning his attention towards the betting space with a company that should be launching soon called BetHouse. And, you know, why I wanted to have Matt on the show was I... I kind of love talking about the history of DFS, the history of DraftKings, how the space has evolved, how sports betting has changed the space, and you know Matt has a lot of firsthand experience in how the the sports betting and the DFS industry has changed, and also has a, a lot of good anecdotes from his time at DK, and we kind of pulled the curtain behind there a little bit. So I hope that you guys enjoy the episode. If you want to support the show, we've been doing a lot of bonus episodes over on patreon.com slash takecast. Or you can leave a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now let's go ahead and get to the show. All right, everyone. Welcoming in my buddy, Matt Bernbach. He used to work for DraftKings.com and uh, is going to be launching a new, or is part of the launch of a, a new betting-centric website. And we'll, we'll definitely be able to talk more about that website, uh, definitely in the future. But Matt and I have known each other for... A long time now. I, I think we probably met, I would guess, 2014 at one of the, the Vegas live finals back then. So excited, excited to have you on the show, bud. No, I'm happy to be here. I, you know, I, you know, I talk every now and then and I, I said, you know, I, I listened to the I listened to the take cast um, and I'm a fan. So it's cool to be, uh, you know, first time, first time, long time on here. Uh, yeah, I think we probably met around 2014. I feel like it was at an event where... I think it was like Al or someone introduced me to you. Um, and I was just like, I do have no idea who this person is, but everyone else knew you. And I was like, well, I guess I need to know you. And uh, I, I guess the, my intentions were wrong, but it still worked out. Yeah. Anyone, anyone who knows me, I mean, it's just, it's just people who are critically online. Like their brains have just been, have been busted by, by being online so much. That's uh, that's basically my, my claim to fame. Act, so act like you belong, you know? Oh, I mean, that's what, that's truly what I'm best at. Like walking yeah. into, walking into FSTA, like, oh, yep, I'm here. It's all there. Exactly. Or being at the live finals and being like, oh yeah, no, totally. Like I, I'm totally meant to be here. I mean, that is, that has always served me well. That's just like, a good where, life where lesson. Where is my swag bag? Exactly. Yes. That is like uh, uh, another, another great thing that I've learned in my many interactions with, uh, with you and your, your former coworkers is you, you do not get things if you don't ask for them. Right. Like I, I, I threw out this first pitch for the Royals game because like that was something that became obvious and it, it would never have happened if I wasn't like, Oh yeah, no, like let's totally push this. So there, there's a good life lesson to start out the show. You're not going to get things if you, if you don't ask for them. Exactly. yeah, we're, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff on this show, but I, I definitely want to start here because I, I find this fascinating from an industry perspective. And no, of course, no one really knows the question, like, what are all of these DFS-based companies going to become five years from now as, as sports betting becomes legal, becomes the forefront? You know, what what is going to happen? But what I what I think is very interesting, and I don't think there's a ton of public-facing information about this, is what it was like inside 
these large DFS companies as the what the the UIGEA and the the Wire Act got basically got rewritten and repealed. Like, do you do you remember the uh, conversations inside of DK as that was becoming apparent? Yeah. So you know, there was no talk about uh, you know turning into a, a sports betting uh, giant or any of that. Certainly, 2014, 2015, 2016. But I do remember, or maybe it was late 2016, early 2017, and. Uh, Pretty much, I think it was at an all hands meeting um, that it was discussed like, you know, if when, you know, the tides turn here and, and sports betting becomes legal, you know, DraftKings will be ready to go. So that was the first time we had heard that anyone was working um, on any kind of tech. Um, still don't know, like, you know, how many people were devoted to it and things like that. But it was about a year ahead of time. And, and maybe I'm, you know, off by a few months, but certainly it felt like a year ahead of time where we were told for the first time, like, we think things are uh, making progress. And when, you know, things are repealed, whether that's a year from now, three years from now, whatever, we're going to be ready to flip the switch on when they tell us to. Um, so yeah, there wasn't much outside of that, but that was certainly the first time it had ever been openly spoken about. Which is which is interesting because I, I would guess that when DraftKings and FanDuel were, you know, going through there, like the, the, the fantasy wars, which people at this point barely even remember, right. No that, yeah. yeah, the, the battle for customer acquisition, you couldn't, you could not watch a sporting event without DK and FanDuel commercials. It was everywhere. I mean, you know, normal, like normie people who were sports watchers were getting exposed to it. You know, all, all of this stuff was happening. That was not a battle for sports betting customers. That was a battle for DFS customers who are way less profitable than sports betting customers, by the way, like, which is, I just thinking back on it, it's crazy to me that all that money was spent back then on $200 million in TV ads during a summer between the two companies. And, you know, I remember at the, and I don't know if you were there, I think it was the live of uh, the kickoff party in Miami and the entire Sunday it was the, I think it was the DirecTV Red Zone channel, not the other Red Zone channel. And FanDuel had a deal with that, the, the DirecTV one. So every commercial break or anything was that was all FanDuel at this DraftKings party. It was very amusing. Yeah, but that was how that was how everything was. Like all of these things were sponsored. Your favorite yeah. sports podcast was doing DraftKings ad reads. Like that was just the environment that was going on back then, which is, I mean, it's crazy to think about because obviously these companies are spending loads of money in customer acquisition now, but they're doing it in a much different way. It's like more targeted, more regional and things like that. But like, I mean, what, what was the environment like during kind of that crazy, I want to say like, it's got, had to have been like 2015 ish. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, look, it was crazy because, you know, every few days we would be sent, uh, I think on like the company-wide Slack, you'd be getting videos of here's the next, you know, commercial coming out. And there were so many different variations. Um, obviously, I think the first DraftKings commercial everyone remembers is the, you know, it was at the, like they were at like the museum and you had the guy with the money yep. in the shorts and everything like that. And people thought that was cringeworthy. And then, you know, even to this day, when I talk to people and say, you know, where I started um, and they'll discuss the summer of commercials, um, you know, it was just one of those things where you couldn't escape it. And even, I don't want to speak for everyone, but even for like employees, it was just like almost cringeworthy. You turn on the TV and, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel just vomited all over your TV, you know, every two minutes. Uh, it was certainly exciting though, that, you know, being at, you know, a startup that was growing so fast and, and FanDuel too, uh, you know, it clearly showed that, you know, the growth was going to be crazy. Uh, but he still, even at that point, I don't think the majority of us were thinking sports betting. It was purely, you know, DFS and the fact that we were spending all this money on this daily fantasy product was, was crazy. Well, actually, and we can, for, for very interesting stuff, we can go back even further because this is again, definitely something that people listening to this show would, would not remember, but FanDuel was like the primary entity, like 2012, 2013, 2014. FanDuel was so much bigger, had the much larger prize pools, had way more players. Like when you tuned on, you, when you you tuned in to Roto Grinders for your favorite show, it would be FanDuel salaries, FanDuel roster construction. And if anything, if anything, I mean, second place was where I was prior to DraftKings was Draft Street. Um, yep. You know, they were the, you know, a, a close second place at that point. Um, 
And, and then obviously DraftKings acquired us. So that kind of started DraftKings like ascent to the top. So actually, yeah, let's let's go into that into that draft street merger. I mean, what what ended up happening there? And and you know, the they had the the draft day acquisition as well, um, which was very similar. But like b- basically the the all of the powers that be at DraftKings were just it was so fueled on aggressive growth like it was they were very very aggressive bets but like in terms of like business lessons to be learned it is it is kind of insane how DraftKings was able to enter it like they were in like a 90 10 market share and I mean now like you know it's basically been flipped yeah I mean you know at Draft Street there was about I think there's like 12 or 13 of us. Um, and what happened was in 2013, um, draft, draft street got bought out. I don't know the percentage wise, but by a company called interactive corp, they own all these like online dating sites, college humor, Christian mingle, all these fun sites that people, you know, uh, farmers only things like that. And for whatever reason, they wanted to get involved in, in fantasy sports. And I think what happened was, you know, 10 months later, they realized they did not want to be involved in fantasy sports. Uh, and, you know, I, I wasn't privy to all of these conversations, but, you know, sure. in, in short, what happened was they, instead of, you know, going to the team at draft Street at that point, the, the four founders who were all still there and saying, you know, we're, we don't more or less, we don't want to do this anymore. Like let's find a way out. They uh, beneath them more or less gave them a week to go find someone. Otherwise they were selling to DraftKings. So at that point, I think there was a mutual respect for FanDuel, but there was like a, a disgust for DraftKings only because out of nowhere, this company was, you know, having these very big sizing contests um, that were seemingly, maybe they weren't always filling, but they were certainly breaking even on. And we were all just very surprised where this was all coming from. Um, you know, there were, there were usernames that we'd never seen before. We would track usernames on all the sites, you know, to make sure, sure uh, not to make sure, but to make sure that, you know, the wallet was spread evenly, or at least if we could have some kind of wallet share for some of the big guys. And then you'd see, you know, players dumping in, you know, 150 entries, 300 entries into DraftKings in the final five minutes that we never heard of. And it was just like a, an anger coming from our side. Um, so I know when DraftKings came and acquired us, uh, it was not like a, it was almost like a funeral. It was like the worst thing that could have possibly happened at that time. Things I think worked out for a lot of people, but at that point being acquired for what in your head, at least was, you know, your biggest enemy, um, was not a fun time for sure. No. And that's how, that's how kind of everyone viewed them in the space of the time. Like even, even the content providing sites, did, just did not have a great handle on on what DK was going to be because it was it, I mean it was so aggressive like it if you were not the kind of there in the space of the time it's very hard to explain what it was like like there there was a time in daily fantasy where there was like eight sites you could play on right you know yeah. Star Street Draft yeah. Street yeah. FanDuel Daily Joust Dra- I mean just all of these different <laughs> sites and you know who knows how long that business model and that competition model could have existed had DK not so aggressively entered in the space. And, and, you know, they did a lot of different things very well. I I do think, I mean, the contest sizing and the fact that they were willing to eat so much overlay was part of it. You know, they were also, they were, they, they always were very good at like uh, gamifying. I mean, that to me, I think is what DraftKings has done the best is gamifying and adding layers on top the missions, the crowns, their, uh, you know, their uh, original like VIP program and stuff. Like all of those things were just head and shoulders above all and, the other companies. You know, DraftKings was, you know, uh, us at Draft Street and Fandle did not have NASCAR, did not have golf at that point yeah. because we believed or the lawyers believed that, you know, it was one event that we couldn't possibly run that. Um, the idea was you need to have more than one event or more te- you know, three or four teams in a, in mm-hmm. a daily fantasy in order to run it. And DraftKings, you know, had more, either more aggressive lawyers or, or they would just say F the lawyers and we're just going to try this anyway. And next thing you know, they have NASCAR, they have golf and all these other things. And, you know, eventually uh, everyone followed suit. Uh, but they kind of, you know, push the envelope on a lot of things. And just to go back on, you know, that, that draft street thought that FanDuel was more of a, uh, sorry, that, uh, that draft Kings was like, 
more of the bigger competitor was when you know there was a FSWA seat up for grabs. I don't uh, I don't know what it means. It's like being on the board and uh, the CEO of DraftSheet, Brian Schwartz, the CEO of at the FanDuel, the time, Nigel and Jason Jason Robbins from DraftKings were all vying for the seat. And I don't remember if it was Brian from DraftSheet who. Uh, dropped out to give his vote to Nigel or Nigel dropped out to give his vote to Brian, but they wanted to make sure it was one of those two on the seat. They did not want Jason to have the seat just because they didn't like what was going on or maybe didn't like, but didn't, maybe they were afraid of him, whatever it was. Um, but they wanted to make sure Jason did not have that seat on the podium. Yeah. And I mean, cause that, that, sh- that does show like they were the, they were the disruptor to use like right. 2021 100%. language, yeah. right? Like, it's it, you know, word, all, but it's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All the, all the ads you see on Instagram, you know, we're disrupting the mattress yeah. industry. We're exactly, disrupting the yeah. vitamin You'll supplement never sleep industry. The same way again. Exactly. Exactly. But that is what DraftKings was. They were the, they were the disruptor and, and it was a, I mean, you know, it was a super nascent industry. I mean, DFS yeah. as a thing really is only about a decade old. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, which is insane. You know, it feels like my entire adult life has been wrapped up in this activity. And and at the same time, like DFS is clearly already kind of like viewed as an old fashioned thing inside yeah. of the the world of of wagering because the the margins for DFS, the way that you make money, it is yeah. it is you have to have so many more customers to make money running DFS contests than you do to offer sports betting. Yeah, you know, it was it, one of the things when we did become a sports book and looking at it now, and a lot of people still don't understand, certainly when it was only DFS, you know, when somebody loses $100 in a contest, you know, uh, they would reach out uh, to support or to VIP if it was, you know, if they felt it was a bad beat or someone was hurt or whatever it is, you know, please refund me my money. And the response, you know, for the most part was, you know, uh, we as a operator, we only take 10% of that. Um, the rest goes out to like the prize pools to the people who won those contests, uh, obviously, as opposed to sports betting, where it's, it's, you know, the company, the operator takes the whole thing. Yeah. Um, you know, so sometimes we would refund like here, here's your operating fee. Here's the $9 we made off of you, but you're not getting a refund. You know, this is somebody who won this fair and square. So I, I still think to this point, I'm still every now and then explaining like that's the difference. I don't think everyone fully understands that, you know, the operator, when there's a, that, that famous basketball game in Mexico City that got fired out or whatever, right? Wolves, Wolves side, Spurs, I still remember yeah, it. On that DFS side, when they refund or they do a free roll, whatever it is for 500,000, that's, you know, and they're letting the other people keep the money, you know, that's 500,000 out of, you know, DraftKings or whoever's pocket. Um, on the sports betting side, when a game is, is that happens, nothing happens. Everyone just gets their, their bets are avoided. Nothing happens in the grand scheme of thing. The, the risk is, is, not as much, you know, in terms of a, a rain out, a fire out, a, the roof of the Minnesota football stadium collapsing, whatever. Yeah, I, that's actually that's actually pretty fascinating. Something I I had like even forgot about is like what what is the decision making process like? Like where what has to happen in an event? So like great example, European Championships, and and you know obviously you were not in the room anymore, but European right. Championships, Christian Eriksen literally has a heart attack on the field. Uh, it was like this whole big thing. It wasn't clear if the game was going to continue. Wasn't clear if the game, like where, where is the threshold for, okay, we are refunding this contest or we're not refunding this contest. Yeah. Well, I'll start by the way, saying, obviously I was not at that DraftKings anymore. That was only a few weeks ago, but I did, I was playing those contests and I yep. actually, I actually had uh, Pierre Hoiberg, who's the midfielder who was more or less going to take over all of the stuff for him. Yeah. So, you know, I was, I had to sweat like everyone else, like, will this game continue? Um, you know, usually the thing like that, uh, that's obviously an extreme circumstance. Had they not played the game again, my assumption is they would have refunded or certainly made everybody whole. So everyone would have been back to zero. Um, if you were positive, you wouldn't have gotten anything out of it to anyone who had anyone in that game. Uh, I think that's probably what would have been done. Um, like, yeah, like extreme circumstances like that. I think usually, you know, what they try to do is just make everybody whole. Um, and if you got lucky enough to, even if you want a dollar, fine, we have to do nothing for you. Um, you know, I think it's the age old thing where it's more expensive to acquire a new user than it is to keep a current user happy and on the board um, sure. and on the site. So, you know, may as well take your lump for the day, you know, to get, make sure they keep playing after that. So something extreme like that, 
Um, you know, I obviously I don't want to speak fully for what they would have done, but I'm pretty sure they would have made everybody whole who had uh, at least one player on, on a team in that game. Yeah, which is like that is, um, you know, it's very hard to draw that distinction because obviously like injuries happen in games all the time. Right. And you can't yeah. you can't be refunding a slate every time, you know, David Montgomery slips and hurts his knee in a game. And, you know, and but and they also have kind of set the precedent for themselves just by issuing refunds at all. And it's not like a, it's not like a sports bet where you say like, okay, pitcher must pitch the first pitch for action. Right. Like it's not, it's not exactly one-to-one the rules in sports betting are a little bit more clear. And with DFS, because the decision tree is so large and especially for DraftKings with late swap, right? Like that's something that a customer can come in and say, and they can be like, Oh, you know, uh, I couldn't edit my contest or I would have done this, or I would have done that. And so they, they really have set them. It's just a very like the, the ombudsman at DraftKings or whatever has got to have, like, it's not a job that I would want to do because I just feel like it's very difficult. I mean, it's also, you know, I think the hardest job at DraftKings is, is probably support team because no matter what, you're getting crapped on, whether it's sure. inside the company or it's certainly outside the company. Um, I mean, the hours those guys put in and just to get smoked by people online during the day. Right. Uh, and obviously the very rare email they get like, you know, you're doing a great job, right? They don't get that all that often. And when you by coming out and being like, we're going to sh- make everyone whole. It makes just the, everyone's lives so much easier because they're doing enough stuff as is. If you're going to, if you're going to say, we're not refunding anyone, the hundreds of thousands of inquiries they're getting in of just angry and angry people. And then people threatening chargebacks and, you know, closing their account. And I, honestly, like, obviously uh, it's stupid. It's unfortunate to say, but like someone writes in with a following of 25,000 people on Twitter that are all engaged. Like the last thing DraftKings or FanDuel or anyone wants to see is this blue check mark now hating on the site that they're out of whatever, 500 bucks, a thousand bucks, 5,000 bucks, because of something out of everyone's control. Um, so all these things, you know, are thought about. Um, I'm not saying someone with a blue check mark is going to get, uh, you know, treated better, but it's also, it's definitely in the back of the mind. If someone is, has a bit of a following um, to where, you know, that's going to happen. I mean, I, I will say I've, I've emailed into DraftKings support literally hundreds of times. I, well, maybe not hundreds, but at least 50 times I've emailed DraftKings support. And I have, ne- first off, everyone there always does a great job. I have never yeah. had an issue where they're like, oh, we're just not going to help you. Like, I mean, I've had to do stuff from like getting tax documents to send to my mortgage broker. My crowns didn't claim right, like whatever. They've always been super helpful, but I also have never gotten special treatment just because, well, at least I don't think that I've gotten special treatment. You're on the list of don't give special treatment to. There's a master list and you're you're on top of that. So everybody knows when you write in, there's a a pop-up notification that says, just send them a macro back. Don't, you know, pretend you're a robot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. But like, that that is interesting that you would say that though, because certainly like, you don't, I mean, the, the, the PR war is like very real and like, you don't want, you know, you don't want like, uh, you know, I don't know, like, like CSU, right. For DK pro yeah. big check mark. You don't want him being like DraftKings needs to make this right. They like, right. That, what's and, the cost th- to make him happy is if it's a hundred bucks, like it is so much, it's worth that than the absolute, you know, tweet storms we would get on, you know, when we removed NBA late swap or when, put NBA late swap back, things like that. Like those are not fun to deal with at all for anyone. No one is happy about that. Yeah. Like, I mean, Oh my God, the late swap thing, dude, that was, I, that was never something I could get myself to care about that much. Cause I, I mean, honestly, by the time that they did that, the NBA DFS had gotten to the point to where it was very hard to win anyway, which is something that uh, no one, like, no one really talks about it publicly facing, but like NBA DFS, if you are a winner at NBA DFS, you are like the biggest mega mind ever. Cause the games yeah, are I think the so first, hard. Maybe the first month or so, or certainly maybe while at least NFL is going on, there's a chance of, of hanging in there. When NFL is done, you should, you should just wait for baseball. It's it. Or, it's or so start hard. Playing tennis or do champions league soccer, do anything else. Yeah. But it's yeah. also like, you know, one of the reasons they got rid of late swaps to begin with in NBA is just, the amount of customer support tickets they would normally get in get about during, the late swap. Yeah, because and by removing late swap at 701, customer support could focus on everything else. They don't have to worry about 
you know, the nine o'clock, like I, I, I did a mass upload and it didn't take things like that. They're only worried about till seven. Obviously, you know, they went back to late spot. Um, but that was one of the reasons behind it. And a lot of people just don't like, first of all, late swap in general is such a big, uh, you know, the pros, the, the big players are utilizing it completely differently than, you know, if LeBron is injured, right? Everybody goes and makes the switch to, I don't know, Dame Lillard, whoever. The pros, though, are not just doing that. They're not making a, a like for like switch. They're making like a four for four switch, completely changing their team. And, you know, the, the regular people, the fish, if you will, aren't thinking that way. They're just thinking, I got screwed because I couldn't change LeBron. Got to move my one guy. Exactly. Yeah. It's also Which hard is- to tell someone like, it all evens out in the in the long run and it does but it's also hard to tell someone who's out of you know their 80 bucks when 80 is a big deal to them that they're out 80 bucks like you'll get it next time and they will but like maybe they won't play again right yeah um okay so we gotta we gotta well at least i'm very curious because i have never heard ethan gate stuff from someone who was there behind but you know i've heard it from (laughs) from out so again for people who don't know which I'm sure there are people listening to this who were, who were not there. Like who Basic- the fuck is Ethan? Yeah, who the fuck is Ethan, right? So basically what happened is a DraftKings employee published an article on what was DK Nation back then. DK, mm, I don't remember what it was called. It, it wasn't DK Live, but it was something yeah. different back then. And they basically, this was at like the height of what we were just talking about, right? DK and FanDuel ads on your TV all the time huge prize pools, your, your, your normie friends at school or at work asking you about DFS. And basically Ethan published an article early that had ownership percentages from the late games from, from the back end information. And then the same day, what he binked, what 250 K on FanDuel six figures, whatever it was, it was, yeah. (laughs) So basically if, if you can imagine this from someone from an outside perspective, basically it looks like, this guy has inside information. He's playing on another site. He's predatorily using the ownership information. Like it, it, the optics of it were about as bad as it could possibly be. Now, I, I think probably, I, again, I don't know. I have always felt like there was not any malice in it. Like it was kind of just one of it was just kind of one of those things that that happens in the world. But I would imagine that that was like the worst and longest week in the history of DraftKings. Yeah, well, I remember, well, first of all, besides banking, and uh, I also think he had like five or six entries in the lower, like 30 places. Like he, his teams were more or less a disaster. Just one happened to just get really lucky. Right. Um, which is funny, like not that that changes a lot, but it's just funny that it's not like he went like one, nine, 15 and 20. He went like one, 75,000, 75,000 and a one. Um, I remember going into work that I don't remember if there was Monday night games at that point. So maybe it was either Monday or Tuesday. I assume at this point they had removed the Monday games, but maybe not. Um, that, and, I think that's right. I think that's yeah. Right. And the Rotor Grinders thread was up to, I don't know, like 35 pages long. And I hadn't really thought of it as a big deal at that point. Um, and then I saw the, the thread and I was like, oh no. Like once you see any of those threads, right, on page 35, and it's not like about, starting lineups in baseball you're like this is not good and by lunchtime it was up to like 100 pages and you know i um you know there was a lot of people in the company who didn't understand what was going on um there's certain there was no malice at all there uh you know at least certainly outwardly uh, i you know i'm assuming there was nothing there yeah um you know i thought it was pretty cool that they kept you know ethan on um for sure i i I always thought I always thought that was a big, like for me, yeah. I was like, that was the right thing for them to yeah, do. Yeah. Yeah. As far as I know, he's still there. Um, you know, one thing they did, I think they took him out of the public eye, which was good. Like, you know, again, I don't think there was anything malicious behind it, but like get him, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And I think, you know, it was a rough few weeks for him. I, I from what I recall, like people found his, like, I don't know if he was living at home, but they found his parents like phone number and were like, you know, threatening calls and all this stuff, like sick stuff. Um, and um, it was just, it was a very long week. And it was also, I, at some point, I feel like Chris Christie during like a presidential debate, I don't know if they talked exactly about Ethan Gate, but certainly talked about, you know, DFS. I don't remember right. if it stemmed from that or all the commercials, probably a combo of the two, but it was just crazy. Like this put DFS, this was almost like it's um, real public moment when like, it wasn't just 
the the grinders of the world who knew what was going on. You know, I had even most of my friends, while they knew I was at DraftKings, a lot of them just never stayed in season long. But now I got them like hitting me up in our in our group me and stuff like, hey, you know, what's going on there? And it's like, that's how I knew like things were really blowing up um, at, at that point. Like, hey, did, did he really cheat and this and that? And like, you know, the, it's funny with the inside information, like, you know, with the percentages, those guys still have to, you know, perform. It's not like Tom Brady, you know, called Ethan was like, dude, I'm going to do six QB sneaks from the one. Watch out. Right. Um, look, I get, I get having those numbers is an advantage, but I think that was, you know, so innocent and it just, had he finished third, I don't think this, you know, nothing happens. I don't think, but it's because he won and, and because of uh, what happened, I remember it just being the worst that came out of it. And this was more of a selfish reasons. Like we could no longer play, play. on sites anymore. Um, and, and there were some people who left the company um, because they were making more, Playing, playing on the side than they were at DraftKings or at FanDuel or whatever. Um, Mirage, I think, was one of them. I don't know if he left right away, uh, but you know he left at one point to go pursue uh, professionally because he was just you know it was cutting off you know all this money from him. Uh, it was a crazy week though for sure. Which is like, and that is like long-standing stuff. Like I've had to, I've had to deal with that of like, you know, thinking about, you know, taking this job or like thinking about like my, my own future and being like weighing it. Like, you know, if I took a job on the operator side, like I remember there was a job posting for like, uh, like on the tech side of DK, like working on like salaries, like working on the algorithm. And I was talking about it with kitchen once. And he was like, uh, cause I, I had, um, this would have been at the end of 2018 is I, the company I was working for like shut down. And I was like thinking about what I wanted to do. And one of the jobs was a DK job posting and it was like remote work. And I obviously would have been qualified, but I was like, I don't even, even if DK, even if like DFS is not like a huge part of my income, which some years it has been and some years it has not been, but yeah. I, just the, the idea of not being able to play was like so distasteful to me. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to live in a world where I can't do this recreational activity that I've been doing yeah. for years. And and to DraftKings and I, I assume FanDuel does this too, but I don't know for sure. Like DraftKings now has shadow contests for employees. Employees. What, what yeah. FanDuel does is, that too. Yeah. You'll see, for those who don't know, you know, you'll see a contest, a regular contest, say $3, that's 20 K, you know, GPP, that's 5 K to first. And on, you know, you'll play in the shadow contest, you'll, you'll buy in and everything else. And say I put like a, a 200 score up in football. If that 200 score finishes in fourth in the real contest, I would get paid out what that actual value was. So, you know, I certainly think that helped a lot. Obviously there's no millionaire maker. Um, that, that would be crazy. Right. But be I insane. think we did a lot for people to, you know, stay engaged and not jump you know, to a different job just so they can play. I think they did a good job of that. And, you know, like you said, uh, FanDuel, you think has that too. I think that was smart of them to do. Yeah. Cause you, and you want people to care about the product. Like you want people to stay engaged. Like if you can't, right. if you're not have like a feel of the salaries and, and yeah, like no, how the games it's, work. Yeah, it's important for, especially the salary people, the customer support people to have like these bad beats or the VIP team. Like you want, you obviously want the, you know, when you're talking about sports betting or DFS, like you don't want to just, when someone's complaining to you about a bad beat, you want to know exactly what they're talking. You know, you want to be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't check. I didn't see the, the highlights of that. Like you want someone to be like, dude, that happened to me too. That was awful. Yeah, like exactly. Um, so I, I want to talk a little bit about the soccer product. Cause it's yeah. had all these, it's had all these different iterations. I know that you <laughs> were, were big in doing it. So I get when would have like the 2015 premier league season after. So it would have been after the world cup and after the draft street acquisition is when yeah. DraftKings launched the, the soccer product. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> they launched the soccer product then we want it. So draft street had the world cup in 2014. 14. Yeah. Uh, was the world cup then that year? 20, mm-hmm. maybe 20, whatever it was. Uh, maybe yeah, it was 2016. No, it'd be 2014, no, 2022. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they had the world cup myself, um, a guy by the name of Chris Mazzone, who was a big guy in the space for a while. Yeah, I know Chris, uh, one of the founders of DraftKings, uh, Mark Narenberg, who's now crushing it at simple bet, you know, the three of us pretty much ran that product, um, you know, doing, you know, I was not the tech guy I was doing the salaries literally out of my head. 
Um, there is an algorithm, but I would literally write all the salaries um, out of my head. And actually, while I did salaries for, I think probably two plus years at DraftKings, you know, 2015, 2016, maybe a little 2017 before they started like, you know, actually hiring for that role. All the salaries were literally things just because I watched the games and I, uh, as Levitan would say, right, team watch the games. Team watch uh, the games. You know, I would make the salaries on based on what I saw. And, you know, from what I know, people say the salaries were never better. So, you know, I, I take credit for That's that. That's true. That's true. I will um, back that up. But, but yeah, you know, look, there's, there's some very smart people at DraftKings. The guy who runs the DFS product, Charlie Gershman, who one of the first guys there, like, him and I, it was, it was a good friend of mine. Him and I would clash all the time about soccer. And, you know, mine was a lot about, mine was more like, uh, I don't say betting with my heart, but I was like, I think this is a product that where if we put some money behind it, it's going to grow. Like I just, I have this feeling and the problem with, maybe not problem with DraftKings is, but they're very big on analytics. They don't want to hear what your heart has to say or what, you know, what you think is going to happen and, you know, no one is willing to lose their, I don't say lose their job because that probably sounds threatening, but I, I don't think anyone's willing to lose their job because they oversized a DraftKings soccer contest. You can oversize football all day and, you know, use that as a marketing expense, right? It's not going to happen at DraftKings for soccer. Um, I think at this point, you know, everyone, everyone has bought into that. Like just, you know, it's going to grow. It, it has a little bit of growth, but it's not, you know, unless something happens to where, you know, Liverpool buys into DraftKings and they're like, we want sure. every contest to be X and Y, I, this is not going to happen. Um, you know, all the growth I feel like we've seen from soccer is completely organic. There's been not really much It's, it's when It's when it's on during the day. It's, it's the European I mean, championships Champions or things League, like that. Champions League, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, it's, soccer has such a, and I really, I, you know, obviously I'm preaching to the choir here, but soccer, and you've had, you know, Pew Pew on before, who, who's the man at soccer. Uh, soccer's biggest selling point, besides the fact those Tuesday, Wednesday Champions League states are literally perfect. Like 245 slate, six games, all that finish in 105 minutes. Like that is so good. There's no sweat like that anywhere else. They even give you a 15 minute break in there to go to the bathroom. It's just, there's nothing better. And I felt like it was such a missed opportunity. Not, you know, you don't have to sell the 10 a.m. EPL slate before college football. I, I mean, I love the EPL and the 10 a.m., but I get it. A Saturday leading into college football, which is bigger in America, I get it. But the Tuesday, Wednesday Champions League, they could have really blown that up. And, you know, they're still sizable, but it's compared to literally everything else, it stinks. Yeah. And I mean, you know, every once in a while they'll do a hundred K to first. Normally it's like 20 K to first or whatever, which like for me, that's fine. Cause like, uh, MME soccer, uh, it's like a whole thing. Like I, I prefer to just build a couple teams. Like it, it works for me, you know, for guys like, uh, like Sean and like Pew and like Alex, like it's, you know, it's a little bit different for them. hundred K to first would, would suit like what, what they were looking for a little bit better. Um, but I, I, I just have always been curious about, so for, again, for those who don't know, it started out as eight man rosters, right? Two forwards, two midfielders, two defenders, goalkeeper, and a utility. Yeah. Then they did this huge switch. And I don't remember the exact time frame, but I think maybe the 2017 EPL season is when this yeah. happened. Uh, then it, it switched to 11 man rosters and the scoring changed yeah. and the, the scoring change has stayed where um, stats acquired from like dead ball situations. So like corner kicks, free kicks and things like that. They used to not count like a cross generated from that used to not count a shot generated from that would only count if it was uh, on net. Like if, yeah. you know, Andre Pirlo stands over a dead ball, if he fires it over the bar, you don't get the point. If the goalkeeper happens to save it, you do get the point. And my guess would be that the analytics inside DK was like the 11 man rosters with full points for a cross and things like that. The new, there was no ch- noobs were just getting crushed and it was hurting contest filling. hundred percent. They were getting smoked. It's also, you know, filling out a roster of 11, you know, you and I could do that easy. You know, you're, you're, your foot, your normal NFL player who's not playing in a, in a soccer contest, you know, it's hard enough for them to fill out eight men, but they might know four of them. Now you're asking them to fill out 11 where they're now just guessing on, you know, the, the, the random Brazilian name that they want to throw in. They were getting smoked. 
uh, 11 versus eight makes it harder for, you know, maxing out your entries. Obviously if you have an optimizer that's easier, but if you're building, say you build five by hand, you're not, you know, you're, or you build by 20 by hand, it takes so much longer to build 11 versus eight. Sure. So they were seeing, you know, people play less. The analytics suggested people were getting smoked, like your, your fish and your, your non-sharks were getting absolutely smoked. We also, you know, went from, we started with stats as the stat provider. Right. And, and then switched to Opta. Crapped all over them. They were actually awful, like really bad. They were. Um, and went to Opta. And then people were like, Opta stinks. Go back to someone else. They think it's just one of those things. I also think soccer is one of the, Soccer, when you watch a pro NFL game, you know, you know what a completion is for the most part. If it's ruled a completion on the field, it's a completion, right? You yep. know what a touchdown is. In soccer, you don't know for sure <clears throat> what a cross is. Like there's no guarantee that ball into the box is going to be a cross. There's yep. no guarantee what looks like a cross. That could be a shot on goal. If the goalie, you know, if it looked like maybe it was on goal, it's, it, there's a lot of stuff up in the air still to this point um, to make soccer a little bit trickier. Um, but you're certainly right that, you know, they went from eight to 11 and then back to eight, uh, because people were just getting absolutely smoked and just wiped out and we're never coming back to play soccer again. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I wish that there was a, I wish that there was a way for it to happen. Cause that it really, I mean, it was the best, like it, that was my, my favorite DFS product that ever exists was the 11 man DraftKings yeah. soccer format with like all the scoring, but you, you actually did just hit on something that we haven't talked about yet, which is the stat provider stuff, because yeah. that uh, you're in football and, and baseball, that stuff tends to be like a home run is a home run, right? A touchdown is a touchdown, but even you get this in basketball, like, Oh, that was a block. And it yeah. actually was not counted as a or block. Assist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like assist. he passed it to him. He took seven dribbles. How do you get an assist? Yeah. And, and you'll see discrepancies in, in data providers, depending on which data provider, which places, you know, like, uh, you know, different places score different ways, but the soccer stuff, it is wild. Like some stadiums will count across as a, like, you know, if the I mean, optic the cameras of, are set up. The amount of people. Uh, so at this point, and for the most part, I was, you know, running or uh, on the VIP team, I was doing soccer purely as like a passion project. So I wanted it to grow, but you would have people, you know, not only just saying like, hey, that was a, and it should have been an assist or whatever. They would send in seven different videos of different angles of why it's an assist. And, you know, look to DraftKings credit, supports credit. You know, they would forward that on to Opta or whoever it was and be like, why isn't this an assist? Like what's going on here? And, you know, sometimes you don't get an answer. Sometimes you would, but there's, you know, it's just one of those things where people are getting videos from all of these like crazy feeds, like, breaking it down with you know graphics and everything else like they have the telestrator uh you know never seen anything like it um it was really you know a crazy time it's i mean I, i'm sure it still is every now and then with this stuff um but certainly in the heyday of soccer back then i think you know the one thing we were talking about the sizing of soccer and i wanted to you know my whole thing was i would always push for you know if the contest is a hundred uh a hundred thousand dollar gpp as long as it breaks even, the next day they should run that contest. That was my whole thing. If it breaks yeah. even, run it again. Even if it only makes a dollar, run it again. And if it loses money, you know, and I, I'm sure you and I had these conversations. If it loses money, I have no problem if the contest gets smaller. I would never argue against that. My whole thing that was frustrating, and it was frustrating for, you know, all the guys I would talk to, you know, man, they made X on the last soccer slate. Why did the GPP go from 100 to 75? Like it's something, it's just like a, a rough thing to swallow. That doesn't happen in other sports. And again, there are people much smarter than me running the analytics of why things are B, but optically it never, it, it left a bad taste in my mouth. And like, you know, talking to you and Sean and everyone else, it would just be like, I pushed for it, but like, you know, it's, there's nothing I can do about it. They don't, you know, for these reasons, they think they shouldn't run it again tomorrow. And that yeah. was the problem, like no other sport, uh, and, you know, maybe there's esports and things like that, but no other of the big sports are treated that way. Yeah. Uh, okay. Payout structures. That's a, that's a good one. I mean, that's a, that's a huge war inside of DFS because a, a year over year, the payout structures have gotten more and more top heavy, you know, like 10th to like 10th place in the millionaire maker getting like, you know, $3,000 or, or whatever. 
Um, I, I assume that this is basically just a marketing tool and that everything on DraftKings analytics side is like, doesn't impact fill rates at all. Yeah. Really, if anything, it makes the contest a little bit softer because the pros are not max entering them. Like, I assume that everything <laughs> on their side says like, yeah, this every, is the know, move. Everything you, you're saying is right. There's nothing that ever suggests them, you know, these top heavy contests, everything you're saying is right. Everything that they're seeing suggests yeah, like I said, like they're, they're almost easier contests. There's also, you know, people want to play for that lottery ticket. They, they don't yeah. care that ninth place is only a hundred dollars and first place is a million. They don't care that they don't, you know, they don't care that ninth place should really be 10 K. Um, and it's one of those same thing with like when rake would be raised. And, you know, I talked to my friends who are all fish and they play $20 a weekend and they'd say, Oh, I saw on road to grinders, they raised rake. Like, what does that mean for me? Like, do I not in the millionaire maker, if I win, do I not get a million bucks? It's like, no, you do. And then be like, why do I care then? Like that's, and that's what it's been. The people in general don't, first of all, don't know much about the rake. Don't care. Uh, payout structures. They're looking at first place. They're not, they don't care what eighth place. They don't care about the drop for the most part. The people you see complaining, you know, is a very small minority and that's really what it is. Um, you know, we ran, you know, contests. I, I invented some contests. I don't even, uh, it's called the super sweat where every single payout spot was a little bit different than the one prior. So like if the min cash was 20, the second to last place was like $23, then $28 and going up from there. And like that filled at the same rate as everything else. And maybe like that payout structure doesn't work either. <clears throat> but even when you see the, you know, the, the two times uh, payout, you know, the, on the, the bottom, or you see where it's super spread out, it's not like those contests fill all that much faster. They differently the as everyone else. And that's the thing. It's kind of like, if they saw, if they saw such a big move where like these contests were, they had to keep reposting them, they would change their mind, I think. But because they don't and people want that lottery ticket, um, you know, that, that nothing will change. Yeah. I mean, it is it, like, uh, and, and I guess, you know, it's very hard to say like, the the DFS product is just not the focus for DK or FanDuel anymore. Like they, it just, I mean, it, it matters as a customer acquisition tool, but that's what it matters as. Like like DFS is is kind of viewed as a customer acquisition tool for the sports books, and like you know when sports betting and and is legal in all fifty states, and DK and FanDuel have a sports book at at you know every in in every state, like you know, I, I don't know what the future of DFS is at that point. Like, does it even make sense to keep running it to dedicate all of these resources to it? Like, yeah, I, I mean, I still think there's say. always going to be that appetite, like I said, for that lottery ticket, like the millionaire maker will always be there. There's because people want, you, you can't, it's pretty hard to win a million off 20 bucks sports betting. Uh, That's I true. Think, yeah. Right. So, you know, you can, you can flip that 20 to something else, but that millionaire maker is, you know, every Sunday that chance is going to be there. And I think there's always going to be that appetite. Maybe like when it's legal in 45 States, things will start getting smaller, but I think stuff like the millionaire maker, or at least certainly the, um, the headliner GPPs are, I think they're always going to be there. I think that appetite's always going to be there. Um, you know, but we'll see. Um, you know, it's crazy that you see the contests that are still there. Seemingly everything's still growing. Maybe not as crazy as it once was, but, you know, you see, what does DraftKings have two millionaire makers week one? Like, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I think a $5 one and a $100 yeah. one, which I actually like that. Like, yeah. I, because I, the $100 one has a little bit better of a payout uh, structure for the people who care about it and for the people who have the money to throw in $15,000 to, to max center it. And the $5 one is just a total scratch off lotto, which makes sense for that grouping of people, right? Like the, yeah. be, because that's all they care about. They, they want to win the million dollars and getting seventh place is like whatever for them. That's yeah. like, okay, cool. I won a thousand. Like then I think then they're happy that they won their thousand bucks or whatever. And they're not, you know, they're not upset. Like, Oh, this should have really been 15. It's the people, you know, the people who do care about that um, are not the majority of the people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It, one, one thing I'm really fascinated with is, um, like peer-to-peer sports betting. Like uh, I think Betfair is the exchange that offers that now, uh, which is not legal here in the United States. But like that is the that is the form of sports betting that is most interesting to me, but obviously not as interesting to DK and FanDuel and and MGM and and you know points bet or whatever, because that right. it's not as profitable. But that that is like what I am 
most excited for eventually coming to the States? Yeah, I mean, when you look at sports betting, you know, for the most part, obviously there's been technological advancements. So things have, have changed a little, but, you know, you still see the same stuff that people, you know, like if our grandparents were sports betting, you still see the same Patriots minus seven. There, there hasn't been that much innovation. You know, like I said, there's been technological stuff. So like in-game betting is, is, is a big deal now. Um, but I still think that next wave is, is going to, something new is coming and uh, the sport, you know, sports exchange will be, I think will be big. Um, and there's probably things we haven't even thought of yet. Um, I hate like saying that, like we're in the second inning of sports betting in America, but I think it's true. Like it's oh, totally. so early on. Uh, I just need to hear a different saying. I just perceived like that disruptors. I just need new words. I can't with that stuff anymore. Yeah. I mean, like whatever <laughs> sports betting ends up becoming in the States, like there are like, you know, there are new avenues and things that have not even been thought of yet that yeah. will, that will come that, you know, are all very exciting. Uh, okay. You're, you're in on so rare, right? I'm in on, yeah, I'm not as like high on it as like, uh, Andrew Laird is and Sean, but like, I'm right. in on it, yeah. Yeah. So like for me, it, it's like the most obvious thing ever. Like, of course I should be in on this. It's like, it's like all the things I love it's gambling, it's fantasy, it is uh, crypto, right? It's it's like fantasy soccer. I I haven't I haven't done it yet. Like it feels like a, a real character flaw of me to have to have not been in on it. <laughs> I mean, my whole thing is the barrier to entry. You have to spend some money, which I don't think is a great sure. You know, that's a hard enough barrier to entry. You know, there's, um, you know, my whole thing was early on. They give you uh, you can draft a team, or they you open packs of cards and they give you players and. Um, you know, if you, if you're given a goalie and he's hurt, like you have to go pay for your own goalie. Like that's one of the things that I kind of turned me off. There's no way to like really play for free. I think you get like 10 free weeks and things could have changed because I don't play for free anymore, but, um, you get like 10 free weeks and then like you have to, your guys, you have to start paying for players. Um, I think that's, I don't say it's holding it back because they're obviously doing very well, but they need to come up with more of this like free to play aspect to get people in. Um, you know, I, I think it's really cool. Um, but like I said, I'm not in on it as much. I think I've also just had a bad experience. All my guys keep getting hurt. So it's keep not as hard for me. Uh, I paid for the Jeff Atanella, who's the Portland Timbers goalie. And the first game he played, he like tore something in his abdomen or something. He's gone for the year. So that was like $500. That's just, just sit. That's done. Um, but, uh, it's, it's cool. It's fun to track. Um, you know, I have a lot of Shakhtar Donetsk players, so I'm waiting for UCL to come back. So those be my boys. Uh, but it's, you know, yeah, it's shocking that you're not into it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And which, which really, honestly, it's because like, uh, like, you know, taking all my ETH off of a cold wallet said, which like, I think you can use your credit card, but like, yeah, you can. So to me, it, this is, it's so weird how the human brain works and does like sunk cost fallacy and everything. Cause obviously there's like nothing wrong with that, but I'm like, I already have all of this. I already have all of this ETH. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like I should just use the ETH I already have as opposed right. to like buying more and dedicating more US dollars to it. And then, and like, like, obviously, of course I could just do that and it would not be that difficult, but it like, I, it, and also like the game is not complicated, but also it's yeah. not like setting your lineup for like FPL or whatever. Like there's a little bit more you kind of have to figure out, but I, that is like kind of a project for me to look into over the next week. I've, I've really wanting them to do it, but I'm, I'm super excited. Like, I think we are going to be in for hopefully a very interesting year of soccer. I mean, we're like what 500 days away from the next world cup. Yep. You know, if, if that ends up happening, I don't know. And I, I am, I am hoping that Manchester city does not completely run away with, with you, the EPL. Have you seen by the, I mean, this is putting the cart way before the horse here, but U.S. is down to 65 to one now for the World Cup. They were 150 to one about eight weeks ago. People are buying into their Nations Cup win and their Gold Cup wins, I guess. I don't know. It's just crazy that, you know, I thought the 2026 World Cup when it's here in America and when everybody's in their prime, like they're probably going to be a top seven favorite. Now, I'm not saying they're top seven in the world, but just based on where the games are and everything else, I think they'll betting wise will be they'll be like, 13 to one or something. It's just crazy that people are kind of buying and now they're down to 60 to one already before they've even qualified. Yeah. I mean, it, it is like, uh, for the first time that, it, you know, I'm, I'm 28 for the first time I can remember the 11 
players for like theoretically the 11 starters are all in Europe, which it's, I don't, I don't think that's ever been the case before. And it's not like, and this is, it's not to shit on, you know, Tim Howard and, and Clint Dempsey who were awesome, but like Clint Dempsey was at Fulham. Tim Howard was at where, you know, my team Everton, like Everton, they're not yeah. like starting midfielder for Chelsea or starting right back for Barca or midfielder for, it's like, you look at the, the, the attack for Juventus and Weston McKinney's just sitting in the middle of that attack. It's like mind blowing that all of these American players are starting for like big time teams. It uh, it's really crazy. And you got, you know, the funnel from uh, Red Bull Salzburg into Red Bull Leipzig. It's, it's really cool. Uh, you know, people start, I have friends that are like, you know, very light soccer fans and, you know, be like, who besides Pulisic is going to be, you know, and like, and I sure you just name the teams these guys are starting on. It's never been like that ever. It's really, it's fun to see. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and like, you know, the, like Christian Pulisic is like actually amazing. Like, it's not yeah. like, th- this is not like a, an American media thing where we're like really focused on this guy because he is from the United States. Like he actually is that incredible yeah, like, like, it, Gio, like it's a Gio, him and like Gio Reyna Gio Reyna like yeah big time players it's not like you know when Michael Bradley went to go play in Rome and it was like that's cool like he's starting for a Serie A team but everyone knew like he's still uh, Michael Bradley like he's still like this very good MLS player decent Serie A player you have players that are legit like awesome uh starting for these fun teams yeah I mean I hope I hope the the 2022 World Cup gets figured out. I also hope they don't play it in Qatar. I hope they just I hope they do something else. I hope they end up just playing it in Europe or something. Like I feel like it's just a joke that it's actually yeah. happening in in Qatar. Yeah. Not ideal. No. All right. Well, there we go. That was uh I that was we covered we covered all the stuff that uh that I wanted to talk about. Any any uh, any pressing issues uh, in the world of DFS or sports betting that you've been wanting to bring to a wider audience? No, I don't think anything pressing. I'll just quickly say what I'm doing these days. Um, I'm uh, and we haven't launched yet or anything, but uh, you know I'm, I'm part of this company called BetHouse that we're gonna we're gonna focus on next play wagering and instant play gratification, kind of be the slot machine of sports betting you know, where you're betting on, will the next pass by Tom Brady go over 12 yards, maybe, right. uh, you know, who will catch it, things like that. Um, you know, hopefully that's some of the innovation that we're lacking. Um, I think that could be a lot of fun. I don't, you know, consider, I don't think we'd be like a competitor to like the Fanduels of the world. Um, maybe No, because that's, like a, that's a new thing. That's a, yeah, that's a new thing. It. And it's also like, I think Fanduel, DraftKings, whoever, you log on to their site, you're always going to see the traditional betting lines first if you want to go make a bet on you know the next play i think you got a you know five or six clicks i think ideally what we're going to do is try to flip that and you know you'll see the the next play stuff first if you want to go bet on the full game you got to make some clicks so we're hoping to be like a of an accompaniment app um you know you have a sport like baseball where the average male age is like 45 years old which is mind-blowing that like that's it like every other sport's a male the average age watching is like 20 something I think, uh, you know, a sport like that could baseball could use a boost if you're having people engage with different at bats and things like that. It could be fun. So uh, I'm hoping that's the innovation that we're lacking. Maybe there's something even more crazy coming, but uh, that's that's where my focus is these days. Yeah, I mean, I, I am all on board for all any and all innovations in, yeah. in sports betting that that makes things more accessible, easier, like and that keeps people <laughs> engaged with the games because like that that you know that benefits everyone to have people more actively engaged like that that generates that generates takes for for people like me that generates clicks that generates you know views that generates ratings take for anything though i I feel like you don't need any any extra you know ammo i feel like anything you're watching you can come up with some kind of take true i am i am the take master that's uh that is that is my job that's my my role that i have i've slotted in so uh everyone you can follow Matt on Twitter. Uh, I think you're just at Matt Bernbach. Yeah, and keep it you simple, can, you know? Yeah, you can, you can bother him. Um, you know, if, if Sofiane Fagouli has a miscredited assist, you can send him, you can send I him still, the video. I still, to this point, people will tag me and things, and it's just like, I'm not there for two years, guys. And not that, like, not that guy. Some people, Sean will do it or someone will do it, you know, purely uh, to be funny. But there are some people who just don't even pay attention. They're just still at me on things, so it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, everyone, follow Matt on Twitter. Uh, we will uh, maybe we'll have him back on the show when they get the the product launch, and we can go, go into uh, into how it works. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. Plus, now through February 27th, ask how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 with 128 gigabytes on us. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Free unlimited line offer ends March 21st. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduce speeds up to 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary.